Hello, it's Monday, November the 29th. This is the Andrew Pearce Show coming, as ever, from the Dana Newsroom. And it's good to be back, by the way. Coming up... We'll be talking about the Harrods Bauble Bar. Yes, a bauble bar in Harrods. Christmas sweaters, do they contain pretty lethal microplastics? They do, and I'm going to be telling you how you can prevent them getting into the ocean. PCR tests, they cost £79. Everybody's going to have one when they come back from abroad. Why isn't the government cutting the price? They could always start with the 20% VAT. Booster jabs for everybody over the age of 18 to try to combat Omicron. Is the government's response proportionate and is it serious enough? So governments across the world, including in Britain, are rushing to try to slow the spread of the what we think is highly transmissible Omicron variant of coronavirus. The Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, the JCVI, are due to give advice on expanding the booster programme, possibly to everybody over the age of 18, and cutting the gap before the third dose is due from six months to five months. Uh, Dr Peter English is a retired consultant in communicable disease control and he's a former chairman of the BMA Public Health Medicine Committee. Dr English, um, we are where we are. Is the, uh, the response of the government thus far, do you think, uh, reasonable, appropriate, measured? How would you describe it? I'd say they're not going anywhere near far enough. We've been calling for more measures. We've been calling for Plan B for a long time to combat Delta variant. Uh, they haven't even brought in the full Plan B as yet. And there are lots of other measures they should be taking and they're not. Just remind us what Plan B is. That involves working more working from home, for instance. Yes, more working from home uh, and COVID passes in nightclubs and places like that. So I've just returned from Ireland, interestingly, uh, Dr English, where uh, I was in the West, uh, not in a touristy part. You could not go into any restaurant or pub without showing your double proof of double vaccination and you had to wear a mask in shops, pubs, in, every, in public places. Do you think the government has to bite the bullet and do that here? I do. Not only that, but I think most of the public want them to do that. I really don't know why the government's holding back because there's strong evidence and surveys and so forth that the vast majority of the public are behind that sort of action. It's just the government that's refusing to act, but despite the public wanting them to. Now, what we know of um, Omicron is not much. We, we, we think it's more transmissible. Uh, we know um, it's, um, that it, there are more mutations, but we don't know yet, Dr English, how seriously ill it may make us. I heard the doctor from South Africa interviewed on the radio who discovered this new variant, and she said so far uh, it is mild symptoms. Well, we also know that that was taken out of context and we've got no oh. reason whatsoever to think that, that, that overall it will cause milder symptoms. Um, it, we just don't know at the moment. So far, variants have not been different in the, how pathogenic they are, how seriously ill they make you. They've all been very similar in that respect. And I can't see any reason to think that Omicron will be any different in that respect. We have had some suggestion from South Africa that it may have taken off faster um, and replaced Delta there. But we need to be cautious. It could be that they just spotted it and they were suddenly counting a whole lot of cases that looked like it was growing faster, whereas actually it had been spreading for some time unnoticed. And we also know that the South African population, the, the, the province where it's been identified, is one with a lot of migrant workers coming to work in the mines. Now, 
working in a mine is bad for your lungs and tends to make you more likely to get ill. Mm. There's also high rates of HIV and tuberculosis. So it's very hard to generalize from what we've seen in South Africa, all of which amounts to saying we really can't tell very much about this variant as yet. Right. Now, the other thing ministers have suggested, well, they've said, it's guidance, as I understand it, that pupils in year seven and above should wear face masks in school communal areas such as playgrounds and corridors. Um, What about classrooms? Because does the virus know the difference between a corridor and a classroom? The government's announcement is a small step in the right direction, but as you're suggesting, we know, I mean, I've been dealing with TB cases for decades, for example, and we know that the place where that's most likely to transmit is in classrooms. And we know that the way that TB transmits is extremely similar to the way that COVID-19 transmits. So excluding classrooms is bizarre and unscientific. What about also the fact it's merely guidance? Why doesn't the government say, this is what you will do. That would be the sensible and obvious thing to do, and I can't imagine why they haven't done it. Um, I suspect it may be to do with opposition on their own backbenches from some of these libertarian Tory MPs who think um, it's an infringement of people's civil liberties. Uh, so that, that's, I'm speculating, that's all. You may well be right, and if so, it's very sad that a tiny minority of people with fringe libertarian views should be, do so much harm to the, pop, the health of the population. I just ask you finally, you've many years experience in communicable disease control, Dr. English. How important is it? Because we still know there are a sturdy five million or so people who've not had even one jab. Uh, some will have underlying health issues, but the majority are refusing. Um, what is your advice to them, particularly now we have this new variant uh, on the British Isles? Well, first, it's very easy to blame people for not having the vaccine when they haven't been given the right information and or the vaccine hasn't been made available to enough to them. Um, however, those people who are resisting, it's very hard to give them advice because they probably won't hear it. Um, it's, we really need to listen to why they, what their specific concerns are uh, and make sure they feel properly heard and then they, there might be a chance to, implement, to, to influence them. Those people who are hesitant I would say there's an awful lot of rubbish being talked about, the uh, hypothetical dangers of vaccine, which aren't real, uh, and vaccines are very safe, much, much, much safer than getting the disease, which is really quite dangerous, and the vaccines are safe, so do get vaccinated. But uh, as I say, the people who uh, have a sort of crazy religious belief that vaccines are dangerous are are very hard to, to persuade otherwise. I think you're right. That's Dr. Peter English, retired consultant in communicable disease control, who was chairman of the BMA Public Health Medicine Committee. Thanks for joining us. Visit mailplus.co.uk to listen to The Andrew Pearce Show for free, in full, along with our other podcasts and video series. Don't forget to tell your Alexa speaker to play Daily Mail News. So all travellers, regardless of vaccination status, when they return to Britain will have to take PCR tests by day two of their arrival. Now, these are more costly than the uh, lateral flow tests, and they were ditched, of course, in October. Now, travel bosses and many MPs are calling on the government to cut the price of them to stop families effectively not being able to go away this Christmas. Uh, Joining me now is Sean Tipton. He's Media Relations Manager at ABTA, the Travel Association. Sean, I think on average they cost about £79 each. So if that's a family for 
four kids, two adults, that's going to add an awful lot of money to the it bill. It is, yeah. Uh, particularly if you weren't expecting it to happen, Andrew, either. Yeah. You're quite right. We did have these PCR tests in place for a while, but they were scrapped back in October to be replaced with much cheaper and also, let's say, also much more convenient lateral flow tests. Uh, so now we're back to where we were. In fact, it's slightly worse because... Uh, double vaccinated people obviously fine but also their children didn't have to take these tests well they do now and that's yeah. going to add considerably to cost so if you look at the you know what people pay for pcr tests on the continent we did some research on that the height of the pandemic which is back again with the vengeance isn't it yeah. and we found that you know around the europe around the eu uh, the average cost of pcr test was below half of what we pay in really? the uk and in france you can get it actually on the french version of the nhs so this is it just goes to show that even even though, you know, if, you, if you're a private testing company in Germany, you can still make a healthy profit on a PCR test but, but, and charge considerably less money. Yeah. So the, the government has vetted these companies, supposedly. They, they prepared a list where you have to go to get these tests from. If you're not on that list, you're not, you won't be able to fill in your passenger locator form when you get back, which means you won't be able to get into the UK. So if they've done that already, they, they have the power to make sure these companies are not profiteering they are, if they're going to charge, charge a reasonable amount and also make sure that, and that's the other issue here as well, that your test comes back in the time that's agreed. Because the other side to this is that you're going to have to self-isolate until your test comes back. And that's yeah. a problem if it doesn't come back within the time agreed, which in most cases they say it should be within 24 hours. OK, but if it doesn't take that, you're stuck at home. Yeah, you are. And now, is this correct, Sean? There is VAT on PCR tests, yep. which is 20%. It's spot on, then. So that adds even more. To, and that's something the government, again, could do very could, easily. They could do that. They could announce they it overnight. Could, it's being removed. Overnight. Exactly. Overnight. It was not a problem. I and mean, if we're talking about this, as I'm quite rightly so, this is a public health issue. It should be treated as such, not something for companies to make large amounts of money out of. Yeah. Um, so... Things can be done and should be done. In fact, they, for us as an industry, it became not totally relevant, but much less of a problem once they axed PCR tests with double vaccinated people. But now they're back. It is once more a serious issue. Tell, can you explain, because a lot of people listening to this mm -hmm. podcast think, what is the big deal about a PCR test as opposed to a lateral flow test? Why has yeah. the government brought them back? Well, fundamentally, as I understand it, from a medical perspective, if you're going to be checking for variants, a PCR test is a much more efficient way of doing so. Right. It's much more sensitive. And obviously, because of the new variant that we're now dealing with, that's why they've gone down that route. Again, I'm not a doctor, but that's my understanding of it. So, But and the other side to it is, um, you know, quite apart from charging a vast amount of money, we're saying they bring those costs down. Why shouldn't the government look at maybe doing them for free as well? I, mean, I agree. I, I was pinged on track and trace. Uh, for whatever reason, I've just did a PCR test this morning. I've got it on the NHS for nothing. So this is maybe not necessarily through the NHS, but surely the, I don't think these tests themselves in terms of you know being bought from whatever country they're coming in, mostly China, I don't think they actually cost that much themselves. Really. Don't, tell so, me, don't tell me they're coming <laughs> in from China. Come <laughs> well, on. The one I used certainly was made in oh, China. Oh, so, no. But, 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 but fundamentally, though, my point is they're not that expensive to buy. No. So, like, yeah. so we can get around this, really, because what we don't want to see, and I, I forget about the, my industry obviously suffering because of this. Yeah, it's about it is, members again. Of public, members of the public who've booked and paid for holidays or to visit friends and family. We're, we're coming up to Christmas now, and the majority of people going away then will not actually be going on holiday. They'll be going back to see people they haven't seen for months. Right. And suddenly to think, oh, God, we're going to now be presented with a massive bill for PCR tests. Not everybody is made of money. It's, it's not really 
the best. It really isn't. So things can be done. And I think the government needs to think about this quite seriously because obviously they're, they're very keen on public health and quite rightly so. So we've got to come first, but also they're keen on support from the public. So so just doing simple things like reducing costs of these tests would, would, would be, I think it's going to be a vote winner, isn't it? I'm with you. I mean, let's face it, the, the government needs a few vote winners at the moment. That's um, yeah. Sean, Sean Tipton, who's Media Relations Manager, ABTA, the Travel Association. Thanks for joining us. Visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and much more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus or me at Tory Boy Pierce. Are novelty festive jumpers helping to fuel the world's plastic pollution crisis? Because apparently these acrylic laden jumpers shed microplastics in the washing machine that end up in the ocean. Now, Guppy Friend is a washing bag that helps catch those microplastics before they're flushed down the drain, meaning you won't even have to ditch your Christmas jumper this year. Alex Nolte is the co-founder of Guppy Friend and an environmental activist based in Berlin, and he joins me now. Alex, um, welcome to the podcast. Can you explain so people know what are microplastics and why are they so bad for the environment? Yeah, microplastics are small particles that are smaller than five millimeters per definition. Uh, And they are such a threat because, first of all, they're invisible. So uh, when we talk about plastic of the ocean, 90% of it is invisible uh, below the ocean surface. And then secondly, it's everywhere. So it's in the air we breathe, in the beer we drink, and in the food we uh, improve in our bodies. And then thirdly, it comes with significant health risks. So microplastic cause inflammation associated with serious diseases. And yeah, of course, it's made for eternity. So uh, whenever it's uh, there in nature, it doesn't just fade away, but it, uh, it takes a couple of hundred years until it does. And then uh, it, uh, last but not least, has a massive impact on our climate because microplastic, first of all, you have to produce it, but then it's also a threat to the biggest carbon sink that we have on the planet, the ocean. And if the ocean dies, everything dies. Of course. Now, our Christmas jumpers, we're all very fond of them. We're certainly fond of them in, in the United Kingdom. I'm sure you're very fond of them in Germany. They are, are they particularly acrylic laden? Is that because of the, 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 the Santa Claus, the illustrations on, on the jumpers? Why are they so laden with microplastics? I mean, they don't have to be, um, uh, they don't have to be made out of plastics at all. Right. So, um, so that's, that's not a... That's not a given. So, and it's not only limited to them that we have polyamide, polyester, spandex, or or acrylic, as you mentioned. Do we have that also in our socks, in our underwear, sportswear, outer apparel, but apparently also in the Christmas jumpers. Um, so, uh, it certainly is a good idea to avoid these kind of materials. Um, but it's uh, it might be easier when it comes to Christmas uh, sweater um, than to sportswear where you most often don't have an option um, uh, between natural materials and plastic materials. Right. Now, Guppy Friend is a washing bag. Explain how that works and where you can, where people get buy them from. The Guppy bag is a, is a washing bag that is, uh, first of all, uh, preventing fibers from breaking in first place. So whatever you wash inside the bag has a longer lifetime and stays longer like new. So you put and, the washing. Uh, hang on. So you hang on a second. You put the washing instead of putting the washing straight in the machine. You put it in the guppy bag, bag exactly. and then put, put the bag in the, in the machine. Bag, right. Put the bag in the machine, and it has a special uh, material that, on the one hand side, prevents fibers from breaking, and on the other side, 
uh, holds back the fibers that do break. Right. And how often can you use it? Is it just once, or, or do you use it many no, times? No, you can. You can. You can use it many times. So it's, right. Um, it. Uh, um, yeah, it's a pragmatic tool that you can use right away to uh, prevent uh, microplastic pollution from washing. And are they expensive? Say it again. How, uh, do they, how, how much do they cost? Are they, are they very expensive to buy? It's 25 pounds. Right. Uh, and they are broadly available, uh, especially in the UK. The, the awareness um, about these, uh, the source of microplastic pollution is pretty uh, elaborated in the UK. So yes. um, compared to other European countries, um, yeah, and it's a very easy thing you can do to stop your microplastic footprint. It sounds great. And how much? And, and how much? I mean, for instance, if you were, how much washing could you get in the bag? It's it's, it's a whole tub. It's a whole machine full, is it? No, it's not a whole machine. Uh, you have to uh, either use two, or you have to balance it with non-plastic uh, materials. Uh, it's it's a bag uh, which uh, has a considerable size, but yeah. uh, it wouldn't fill up your entire machine. Okay, and if you want to buy, is is it on the internet or are they available in shops? They are both. They are online and in shops. And are they are they doing very are they very popular in Germany where you're based? Yes, they are very popular in Germany. Uh, I mean, what what do you mean by popular? I mean, we came up with the the idea and said let's uh, um, rather than selling the pattern, let's uh, take our profits and uh, help people to understand what microplastic is, where it comes from, how it's related to climate change and yeah. what we know about health things. So that's uh, very important. And the bag is um, also a tool to make uh, people aware of the problem at all, because most often people look into the care label for the first, first time by yeah. deciding what needs to go into the bag and what doesn't. And uh, they start to question their, the detergent they're using. So it's, it's also a daily reminder in our bathrooms to, to wash differently and uh, ultimately to, to, to also buy uh, other things. All right. Well, it's, you've converted me, Alex. Um, I should be getting one. That's Alex Nolte. He's the co-founder of Guppy Friend. He's an environmental activist based in Berlin. And he told, there you, are, you can buy one, £25. Seems cheap at the price. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Deputy Sports Editor Matt Gap was here with my latest uh, lesson in the world of sport. Even I know that Manchester United got a point at Chelsea. But the big story, Ronaldo. How much did he cost? Not a lot. No, well, he didn't because he, he was pretty much on a free. Yeah, but he is probably the most famous footballer paid, on the planet. Well, he is, and he's certainly on big wages. And he had a hissy United. fit because he was on the subs bench. Yeah, so it was Michael Carrick's second game in charge and last. Now, he's an ex-player, is he? He's an ex-player. Right. Um, and he was in the interim. Do you remember, obviously, yep. United got the interim manager. The Hobbit got sacked, to, the Hobbit we knew got, he would. The Hobbit got sacked, and then they brought in the interim to yep. keep the seat warm for the next interim yep. who's going to be in place. But until, on, he got a draw with, at Chelsea. Why can't he be given a better chance? Well, that's what happened with Ollie. They made that mistake oh. last time. So oh, um, he was always only ever going to be the interim interim ah. until the interim came in. Right, so right. now Ralph Ranick is coming in as the, as the interim. He's a German guy who's right. sort of a um, uh, very well respected coach. Why don't they bring um, that old curmudgeon, Alex? Alex um, oh, I think he's probably done back. his time, don't you? Alex, what's his name? Sir Alex Ferguson. Oh, I think he's done his time. No, oh, yeah. That would be. But, yeah, I love those photographs. You keep running in the mail of him looking very grumpy in the terrace. <laughs> 
in his stand. <laughs> yes, he's not happy at the moment. He's not been happy <laughs> for a not, while. Yes, I'm sure he could back himself to do a better job than the uh, the current lot are doing. But anyway, so they've appointed uh, Ralph Ranick today, so yes. he will take over from Carrick as the right. next interim manager until the summer when they will look when they're looking to make a permanent and appointment. Was Carrick already on the uh, payroll? Was yeah, he been so the he was room? Ollie's kind of assistant okay. coach. Right. So I mean, he's tarnished by reputation, but you know, he did he did okay yesterday. He changed the style that they play. Um, they basically played quite defensive yesterday at Chelsea, which you can do if you're playing yeah. at Chelsea. Yeah. United's problem has always been when they're playing at home against teams and they've got to attack. So yesterday uh, they they managed to get a point at Chelsea, mm. uh, but it, obviously the big story was that he left Ronaldo yeah. on the bench. Uh, Ronaldo then came on for the last half hour. Carrick uh, said all the right things about him at the end. How he was, uh, you know, he was brilliant on the on the bus and and around the other players and in the change room, and it was all good. But you could tell by Ronaldo's body language at the end mm. when he uh, he just shot down the stomped, tunnel, stomped uh, exactly down the tunnel uh, that he wasn't Didn't shake anyone's impressed. hand exactly. But his new manager is coming in now. This is where it's going to get really interesting. Yeah. Because the new guy is coming in, he has a reputation of inventing this thing called um, the the high pressing, Gagan pressing. It's called in German football, which is this high intensity, get after the opposition, win the ball back really quickly, right. which is what Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool right. uh, preaches, and his okay. team do it really well. Yeah. High intensity, go go go! Now. Can you do that with a 37-year-old striker in the name of Ronaldo, who notoriously now isn't able to press really quickly and go and close players down? So it could be that it gets uh, worse, not better for Ronaldo when the new guy comes in and starts picking the team. And Ronaldo might find that that seat on the bench uh, has his name on it more often than not. Mm. He could always take up a career as a model. He could take up a career as a model. Uh, he could co-host the podcast. He could do all welcome. sorts of things. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, he could do the sport bit. He'd do it better than me, wouldn't he? <laughs> he could come in and do the sport bit. Do better than me. No, but, nobody um, would do better than you. But it, it remains to be seen. It's going to be interesting how whether Randy plays him. You know, yeah. again, you've got this problem that you can't have a guy on four hundred grand a week and not play him. So it'll be interesting to see how this yeah, guy goes yeah, yeah. when he comes in. And then who he appoints in the summer. And then Ronaldo's got a two-year deal. So what happens next year? But for the immediate uh, the immediate point is, will Ronaldo get his place back when the new guy came in? Now, Carrick yesterday was at pains to say that he took... Because we knew Ranić was coming in. Yeah, Carrick was, was at pains. Team. It was my team. Ranić had nothing to do with it. Well, there's certain people in the media, Gary Neville, for one, who didn't buy that and thought mm. that Ranić must have had a, a hand in yesterday's uh, team selection. And that other chap who was a Manchester United player raged about Manchester United. Roy someone. Yeah, Roy Keane, yeah. Why was he so upset even when they won... When they drew with Chelsea. Well, he was he was having an argument with Jamie Carragher, a fellow pundit oh. uh, in the studio about Ronaldo, basically. Oh. And Keane was saying it's ridiculous not to play him. Oh, okay. You should be playing him. You, yeah. you know, he's a great goal scorer, one of yeah, the world's greatest players. Yeah, yeah. Get him in the team. You must be able to make it work. And Jamie Carragher was arguing, well, he doesn't do the high pressing thing, and therefore maybe that's why he's not playing. No, and they got quite heated about it because so it's it. so important sport. Very you see? important. Very important. Now Everton lost, which is bleak for the manager Rafa Benitez. Yeah, so... Who did they lose to? So they lost to Brentford. How can Brentford even be in the Premier well, League? Exactly they used to play Swindon Town down but, in Division 4. Blimey, that, well, they were the bad, <laughs> the bad bleak days when they yeah. used to play Swindon. But now they've done really well. Uh, they're in the Premier League and they beat Everton yesterday. But the bigger deal for Rafa is uh, Rafa Benitez. Now, obviously, he's the Everton manager... And as you know, he's the former Liverpool, Liverpool manager, manager. Yep. arch rivals, yep. which always gives you a shorter yep. um, uh, shelf life, if you like, at, at, when you're at a rival club. Mm. The fans aren't going to stick it if things start going badly. So it's now five defeats out of their last seven right. uh, for Rafa Benitez and for Everton. They're not doing very well at all. And on Wednesday night, who are they playing? Liverpool. Exactly. Oh so massive game. And the first Merseyside derby of the season. Now, finally, Ben Stokes 
Have I got his surname right? Christian name right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cricket yeah, yeah. Cricketer. Yes, so obviously, you know... He's going to go out to Australia He's now. in Australia now. Oh, he's there already, they, Well, he starts next week. Oh, you know, the Ashes, oh, yeah, oh, we're only... Wait. Oh, I'm going to accept my record, recording I, on this television. I know you know that. So we're only yeah. a week... We're just over a week away now yeah, from the fabulous. first from the first Ashes. Oh. And the preparation for England has been abysmal because... Oh. Well, I mean, it's not entirely their fault, but they're one... They've, they've, such is the cr- the nature of these tours now that previously you used to have three or four touring matches. You used to play, you know, Australia A, you maybe yeah. play a couple of the state sides. Because of the nature of COVID, quarantining, um, and also the fact they had a T20 World Cup, which has been crammed into the yeah. schedule, meant that they've only been there a little while. They've done their quarantining. They were meant to have a warm-up game against oh, themselves. They shouldn't do so much. Well, I know exactly. They we shouldn't. We talked about we, well, this. The we cricket have, season we have, doesn't seem the, to stop. The cricket season is crazy, along yeah. with all the other sporting seasons, mm. but Cricket is particularly crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, which is why Ben Stokes needed some time out, probably, yeah. because he was uh, being asked too much of him. Anyway, they, they've been un- unable to have their first warm-up game because in Blinkin, Brisbane, where it's meant to be 35 degrees and sunny all the time, they've had a week of rain, so they couldn't get the warm-up game in. They've climate, got another one that's meant to change. start tomorrow. That's the forecast for the next four days in oh. Brisbane is appalling. But in the nets, Ben, Stoke, uh, ben Stokes uh, got whacked on the arm oh. by uh, the bowling coach. Uh, well, no, actually, Jonathan Trott, the batter, uh, one of the bat- one of the ex-batsmen, lobbing a ball down at him, smacked him on the arm, and, and for a horrible few moments, we thought he might have broken his arm. But it looks like he's all right, so he gave England a massive scare because obviously he is so crucial to the balance of the side. Yeah. Um, so it looks like he'll be fine. So he'll be fine for next week. But England are going to go into that first test massively undercooked. Although to be fair, so will the Australians yeah. because they've not had. A test match for about uh, 11 months themselves. Well, and I just can't wait for the fact you and I can be talking about test match cricket for the next month or so. I know, it's going to be it's amazing. Thrilling. Yeah, thrilling. Well, f- I reckon we'll talk about it for about two weeks till England are two down and then we might have to gloss over it. Right. Matt Gap, we're making predictions again. So he says two down, that means we'll be two up. <laughs> Deputy Sports Editor Matt Gap, but it's always a joy. Thank you. So if you've been to Harrods during the Christmas season, if you haven't, you should go because it's quite an experience. You may just have come across Jane Redmond's Bauble Bar. This is where she hand paints personalised Christmas ornaments. She's been dubbed the Queen of Bauble since she's been producing her exclusive collections for Harrods since 2013. And she joins me on the line now. Uh, Jane, now you've been making stuff for the stars. You've made stuff for Ronan Keating, Keith Lemon, yes. and your stuff adorns Christmas trees. Do you work on Christmas all year round? Um, we do, Andrew. We're I actually, wondered. Um, we are actually working on next Christmas already. Are you really? For Harrods for next year. So, um, yeah, we literally work on Christmas all year round, along with the other tabletop range that we do. But Christmas is our main, is our main thing. All that is our thing. <laughs> and, and and you make them do you tell us how you make them because you're you're you, you started people might be able to tell from your accent you you're you started you're in you're irish and you were in dublin yeah, yeah from dublin yep uh, and so pottery was your first love that's where you yep. how you made your name so how so how do you make these baubles jane so we use a slip cast actually to make them and then they're they're in a bisque form um and so but they're fired once before we start any of the design process and then we um just draw draw the designs on with hand and then we paint them and then we glaze and fire them again all by hand and then some of them have 24 karat gold most of our range has 24 karat gold applied to them after they've been fired once so they actually go through yeah yeah they go through two firings so 
yeah, it's a real labour of love. <laughs> yeah. Now your studios, you're not in Dublin now. You, your, your work, you operate your your studio. Um, of I mean, is it a studio, a forge? What it do is, you call yeah. it? It's a studio. You're in studio, Surrey yeah. now. You're in Surrey. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we're in Weybridge ha- in Surrey. How many baubles will there, will you produce for Harrods in the for the Christmas collection in any given year? For this year, for instance. Um, it's up to about a thousand um, a couple of years. This year's been slightly less due to the pandemic. Wretched COVID, yeah. Yes, um, but 1,000 to 2,000 sometimes. Um, it depends, really. It depends. And, and, and sometimes you have to paint more. <laughs> yeah, and when do they go on sale in Harrods? When does Chris, the Christmas season start for you? Um, at the end of August, they open their Christmas world. Do shop. they really? So, yeah, yeah, so it starts. Um, we deliver most of our pieces in, in the, during the hottest days of the year, always seems to be in July. So, um, yeah, they go in and then we also supply other retailers as well. And again, it's um, a summer a summer drop. So right. we've done all of it really before actual Christmas itself um, a lot of the time. And then we go in and we personalise in the pieces in store. So lots of people can come. I've just been there all weekend. So um, what? So somebody will see a bauble which they like, and you'll personalise it yep. for them. In what way? So yep. what might? So what? What might? If I just say I was there, what? What might you be able to do for me if I bought three or four baubles? Oh. What would you do? So most of the time, people have like names and Chris, whatever the year is, or so lots of um, Christmas twenty twenty one this year with names or n- newly married um, Christmas baubles or our first home. Um, yeah, loads of people buying gifts for friends and family that they haven't seen. Um, mm. Yeah, so we tend to put names and messages and things on Okay. Like and do the baubles work better on real Christmas trees or imitation Christmas trees or either or? Either or, really. I mean, I'm a real Christmas tree person. Right. Um, so I, I only deal on the real Christmas tree, even though, the, you know, the faux ones do look good too. But, um, yeah, our tree is laden with our baubles, as you can imagine. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah they they work on they work well on both really and this year your theme your theme is believe so what's that about so yes this 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 year we have really focused on our believe collection which was born out of just of me messing around with with a lot of what what happens at my designs and um we just felt that after the last year so many people haven't been together and they just need some hope and belief and so we developed our Believe bauble, um, and they've just been just an amazing seller, really. And we have a Believe mug, Believe place, um, and then a Joy mug as well, which has been hugely popular. So, um, yeah, we just we just felt like this year need we just needed some hope and belief after a bit, a bit of a dreary year. Quite right, so, it's been a horrible year. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, um, and of course we did we didn't and of course we didn't really have Christmas last year. No, um, despite got dis- together. No, no, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be all right this year. Now they're not cheap, of course, Jane. Your your works, but no. they are handmade. What is the average? Yep. The average ball bill would cost what about forty pounds. So they retail in Harrods at forty pounds. Yep. Yeah. Um, and some of them are thirty-five if they don't have the twenty-four karat gold on them. Right. But generally, they retail at forty. So yeah, they're real heirloom pieces um, and special gifts as well. I so. think so. Yeah, and presumably they last forever. Yeah. Yeah. Have them, and we have lots of people that email us saying, you know, we've they've been buying them. We've been doing an exclusive range for Harrods for 
six or seven years now um, yeah. and people buy them each year same the same customers keep coming back which i just love and i love meeting them that's so, nice um, yeah yeah it's just really special really and, special and presumably your tree at home is um uh, adorned with with your with your with your baubles absolutely yeah when do you we put your, when do you put it up? <laughs> you've got three trees, have you really? Yeah. Oh, well, well, you, you've got you've got to be in a you've got to be an advertisement for your stuff. When do your Absolutely. trees go up? Is or are they up already? You know, I'm a little bit late this year, Angie. Well, it's, it's, it's only November. Well, I know, I know, but really, though, to me, it feels like it's going to be Christmas next week. They're going yeah. up on Wednesday. Very nice, very nice. Well, look, um, I'm going to pop in to see you. Well, you might not be there, but I'm going to I'm going to go and find your baubles, and um, I'm going to treat myself to one. Uh, That would be uh, lovely. Yeah, great, and look, lovely to talk to you. That's Jane Redmond. You too. Dub the Queen of Baubles, and have a lovely Christmas. So we've got time for today for the latest from the Daily Mail. Download the Mail Plus app every weekday at five pm. Listen to me all over again. I'm Andrew Pierce. This is the Andrew Pierce Show. I'll be back tomorrow. Have yourselves a great evening and good night. Thank you.